1: Pardon the interruption, but I'm Mike Lilbon. It's International Bath Day. Tony, do you like getting into your bathtub?
2: i Tony Kornheiser, as long as there are no more than, you know, four neighbors in it. Um, actually, to be honest, I took the Ugh. bathtub out of the Good. bedroom in my house to put in a better Good. shower. Yes. Man, I, I used to Who like baths. Tub? I used to like them. Yeah, but I'm, you know, I got too old for them, I think.
1: Showers. So, Welcome if anybody to has time boys to back to house, need to go home.
2: In today's episode, Serena returns. Bruce Smith goes in on Tony Baselli. Wait for that one. And the Braves lose their second baseman. What we begin today with the Warriors capitalizing on the Celtics' weak first and fourth quarters and defending their home court in another double-digit victory, 104-94. 94 the Warriors won despite Steph Curry not making a single three-point shot for the first time in Curry's 133 playoff games, and they took a 3-2 lead in the finals. Wilbon, was last
1: night's game more about what the Warriors did or what the Celtics failed to do? Tone, I thought the Warriors did something really good by playing well, even though Steph didn't shoot it well. I mean, Andrew Wiggins had, what, 26-13, and 13, Gary Payton had 15 points, Klay Thompson at 21 on 5 of 11, three-point shooting. The Warriors played like champions as a team, and they needed to be credited for that. Now, the Celtics, Tone, they commit too many turnovers. That was my entire obsession before the game. When on Countdown, we're talking about what can the Celtics do. If they commit a bunch of turnovers, they're going to do anything. Nine turnovers in the first half, leading to 13 Warriors points. That was plus 11 on just points off turnover. The Celtics do this, Tone. They can't. And they're 0 for when they commit like 15 turnovers or more. I mean 0 for in these yeah. playoffs. So, Tone, it's a combination of both. If the Celtics protect the ball, maybe they can overcome that great ensemble effort by the champs three times. But if they don't protect it, the Warriors are going to win this series. So, I'm, I remember what I said when I sat
2: here after game one. And I said Golden State should never, ever lose a game when the best player on the other team, Jason Tatum, shot, I believe, three for 17. I said, you, you just right. can't lose that game. I feel the exact same way now because Steph Curry's not going to miss every shot again. This was an opportunity for Boston to get in there, and in the first and fourth quarters, in 24 minutes of basketball, to have a total of 36 points, that's, that's simply awful. I mean, you, you can't win games... Doing that, and I, and it's not that I'm, I'm saying that Golden State is definitely going to win. I'm not saying that. But Boston right. has put itself in a position where it has to win two in a row now. It has to. Now, they've done that in every series so far. They won four in a row against Brooklyn. They won two against Milwaukee. They won two against Miami. But, Mike, Golden State doesn't lose two in a row. Different they just animal. don't do that. You, you have animal. to go back to March. That's not in these playoffs. So, right. uh, to me, Mike, this was a very bad loss by Boston with the opportunity when Curry makes no threes.
1: Tone, use it. That point is unassailable that you make about Curry. You've got to take advantage of the times you get. But, Tone, even Steph played well. He rebounded. He assisted. He made two-point shots. He did one thing that was not Curry-like, but Boston couldn't take advantage. So, again, more than one thing can be true. Let's move to Serena Williams' return to tennis. Serena received a wild card to play Wimbledon later this month. It's a tournament she's won seven times, but she hasn't played competitively since withdrawing from last year's Wimbledon with that ankle injury. Tom, what does it tell you that Serena has now decided to play? It tells me she's
2: chasing Margaret Court, and it tells me she's decided and she understands that her best surface to catch Margaret Court is grass. OK, that the points on she's a power player. Grass is made for power tennis. It's not like clay in Paris where the points last forever. You're 40 years old. You want to get in and get out of the points as quickly as possible. Look, I, I don't think she can win this tournament because she hasn't played in so long. And, and I think we understand that. And there are a lot of good young women coming up. But it's also true yes, that Ash Barty are. is out of the game and that the Russian players and the Belarusian players are banned from Wimbledon this year. I, ju- I just think Serena is saying, give me one more shot at
1: Wimbledon. Give me that shot. You know, Tone, that wasn't my first thought, and I'm not going to disagree with you about that, given how great she has been over the course of 20 years plus. But, Tony, I just think she wants to play. I mean, I had an interesting and long conversation with Annika Sorenstam, in Florida a couple of months ago. And Annika Sorenstam is coming back to play limited number of tournaments. And it was just great. And by the way, those two are analogous, okay? Annika Sorenstam may be the GOAT, probably is the GOAT in women's golf. And Serena, for my money, is the GOAT in women's tennis. And Annika talked about just wanting to play, wanting her children to see what mom once did at a pretty damn high level, about pulling young women into the sport. And, Tony, I sat there listening to Annika Sorenstam just saying amen and at the end of it applauding because now I'm rooting harder than I ever have for Annika Sorenstam. And the reasons, Tony, are much more innocent than Annika saying, I believe I can win the U.S. Open. Tony, I'm sure she does. But I think Serena may have some of that, too. This is what I do. 40 years old is not 70. I want to do it some more. Well, it's
2: possible, it's possible that Serena wants – that the farewell tour in her mind is Wimbledon. I mean, I would think she'd play the U.S. Open, but I don't even know that. She hasn't played in so long. The problem becomes, I think, to a degree, the seeding. She's a wild card. She probably goes in unseeded. She hasn't played Plus, in a year. Ooh, her ranking – this number is unbelievable. 1,223rd in the, country in the world because she's never played. But, yeah, but I think crazy. that the people at Wimbledon understand if Serena Williams is going to commit to play – she's at least top 10. So I, I, yes, hope, still. I hope that they change their method and give her some sort of a seed. I, I hope don't so, know. but I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. We move now to an oddly satisfying story about Football Hall of Fame beef. The great Bruce Smith has gone after the great Tony Boselli for allowing others to campaign to get Boselli into the Hall of Fame based on what Smith says is one good playoff game against him in 1996. Smith is livid about what he calls, quote, underhanded tactics, unquote. Smith thinks it's not right to go after another Hall of Famer like this. And Smith wrote a lengthy piece on Instagram and basically named 300 linemen better than Baselli.
1: It's totally personal. Wilbon, are you persuaded by the case that Bruce Smith makes? I'm not persuaded by anything because I don't need to be persuaded. I'm no longer a voter. But, Tony, I was a voter for 10 years for Pro Football Hall of Fame. And one of the reasons, one of the things that drove me out was the lobbying. Tony, intense campaigning for each of these candidates from people close to them and former teammates and former coaches. And it just drove me nuts. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. And I understand the desire. Like, talk about legacy, the most overused word associated with sports these days. What's more important to somebody's legacy than whether they're elected to the Hall of Fame? Now, here's my bias. I am friends with Bruce Smith and have been so for years. So when I heard this, part of me smiled. It was like, okay, it's thoughtful. He campaigns. I mean, Bruce Smith is persuasive. Do I need to pick one side or the other in this? No, I don't. Baselli was great. Bruce Smith has said Buselli's great. If I was standing in front of a locker doing a piece right now about Tony Baselli, one of the guys I would we'll go to is Bruce Smith who has said multiple times convincingly, Baselli's great. Am I persuaded to do what? I don't know. I, 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 I enjoy this on some weird level, but I'm not persuaded to do anything.
2: Yeah. So I love the story because I actually do think it's completely beneath Bruce Smith, who's one of the greatest of all time. I don't know why of he's all doing time. this. I mean, all he, time. I love he concedes that Baselli outplayed him in this particular game. And then he just goes nuts on Baselli. And, you know, he says at one point, he says he called him a formidable opponent during his brief career. I mean, what a shot during his well, brief seven career. Years, it was. I understand, but, you, but you, take, you take pains to say it's, it is a brief career. Um, yeah. What hurts? What hurts Smith's position is this quote from 2020, Mike. Tony is a stud. I think I played against him three times. He gave me all I could handle. When he was healthy, there was none better. I am pulling for Tony. That's two years ago. And now he's attacking him for not protecting the blind side of his quarterback. Here's what I hope happens, because they're both worthy of the Hall of Fame. I hope they get in a room together at Canton and somebody goes, Hold my gold coat. Hold my gold coat. I'm going after this guy. That would make me laugh. They're not going to. It would make me laugh. Love Bruce Smith. Bruce Smith's an all-timer. Let's take a break. He is. Coming up, why are
1: the Celtics so inconsistent? We're going to ask Tim Legler. We'll also ask him what makes shooter shots, even great shooter shots, go awry. Tony, Mike, i stood mean, stood in front of Mike. Bruce Smith's locker in Buffalo and Washington more than any other player in all the time i covered well, the NFL. Bruce
2: Smith. This must be driving him crazy. He wrote this. He sat down and wrote this. He didn't just you say it. Pardon the interruption is presented by Corona Extra. Find the fine life. Live la vida Maspina.
0: Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code PTI. That's code PTI. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L E C T R I C dot You are
2: watching Pardon the Interruption, presented by Corona Extra, part of Happy Hour. Let's get back into the NBA Finals with our great friend, Tim Legler, who we have known forever. And let's start with this, Tim. The Celtics sometimes seem like a different team quarter by quarter. Why do you think they struggle so much with consistency?
3: Well, Tony, I think a couple reasons. I think first and foremost, they actually change up stylistically how they play. There are times when they are very much a downhill team playing through their top two players, and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, they get into periods of time in games where they're very intent on getting downhill, getting to the rim, putting pressure on teams defensively in the paint, either as a finisher or a playmaker, and that's to me, is when they're at their best, and the three-point shot comes out of that. Then they go through stretches of games where they're very content to stand five guys on the perimeter – and move the ball around, and it's almost like they're hunting three-point shots. And I think as a result, because they're not married to one style, they can have dramatic fluctuations in their efficiency offensively. And it's something that they've tried to get a grasp on for a while now, and they haven't been able to do it. The other factor is turnovers. When they turn (coughs) the ball over a lot, they really struggle, Uh, and they did that in game five. When they control the ball and have ball security, they're really a load to handle because of the way they defend. Tim, we talked, everybody who watched this season
1: talked about the Celtics defense coming into this series. But the Warriors defense has been just as effective or nearly as so. Were you surprised at that? And and why do you think the Golden State's defense has been as successful as it has in this series?
3: I'm not that surprised, Michael, from this standpoint. They've got great speed defensively. Now, they're not an overly athletic team. Um, In fact, they don't really play shot blockers too often. They've got a grounded guy in the paint, Draymond Green, who's not going to go above the rim as your your last line of defense. He's going to put his body in the way and take charges. So they're not athletic around the rim, but they can really help by getting into the lane on drives. They put multiple people in those driving angles, and then they have great recovery out to the three-point line. So I think – Their overall speed defensively allows them to do a lot of things and make up for their lack of size. And I actually thought the first six minutes of Game 5 – was almost a manic type of defensive energy and intensity that came out of the Golden State Warriors that I think set the tone for the entire game. Um, and you saw wow. that speed and the way they were flying around, helping and recovering and chasing guys off the line. So I think they can do it in a different way than a lot of teams. But I'm not that surprised because they are committed to that end of the floor. We just get blown away with the shot-making. We don't talk about their defense as much. All right, speaking of shot-making, the number one shot-maker didn't
1: have it last night. You were a great shooter in the league for a long time, one of the best. When you see Steph Curry struggle like that, why? What jumps in your head, Tim, as to why? Because Steph doesn't go over from three. He went over. What what's what's off at that point?
3: Well, I thought for me, actually, even by Steph Curry's standards, he took some unmakeable shots last night, or or at least a low percentage opportunity. Some of his pull-ups from the distances he was shooting from. I know we're accustomed to him making those shots, but a lot of times it comes more in a late clock situation or when he's got momentum up the floor in transition and he can stop from 32 to 35 feet and it looks natural. I thought some of the ones he was getting were were too deep early in the clock. He didn't really get his shoulders fully squared, so it was just enough to make the shot fall short. And then I think after he missed a few I actually think he started pressing a little bit. He wanted it to happen so badly because he's been so good in this series. I started to see him press and get frustrated to the point that when he finally made a little floater in the lane, you could see his shoulders. He almost waved to the heavens like finally. And that's when you knew this was sort of weighing on him one miss after another. But I actually think his shot selection really set the tone for his night. And I think he'll make an adjustment to that in game six.
2: All right, we'll get you out of here on this. Steve Kerr, in the locker room after the game, after Game 5 last night, said, we're going to finish this thing in Boston. Is that how you are leaning?
3: I am not leaning that way. Look, I I said going in Warriors in 7. I I feel pretty good about that right now. I I don't think Golden State's going to get it done at home for this reason. When you look at the dramatic fluctuation for some of Boston's X-Factors and role-player type guys – they're going to be a lot better at home. I mean, the Derek Whites of the world, Al Horfords, Marcus Smart, those guys typically are much better at home. I think they're going to have an impact. And I think their defense is going to be very physical and aggressive. And a lot of times the referees will get caught up in the emotion of that, the emotion of the crowd. They'll allow a little bit more physical contact. So I think Boston will get the benefit of the doubt there. And I think some of the guys that just did not show up offensively for them in game five – Will have an impact in Game Six, and it will be enough to get this back to San Francisco on Father's Day for a Game Seven. Father's Day in San Francisco. Thank you so much, Tim,
2: as always.
3: Thank you, Tim.
1: I'll be Tim. Thank you much.
2: Anytime, guys. Let's take one last break. But still to come, could Baker Mayfield find a new home with the Panthers?
1: Baker Mayfield. I mean, seriously. So much said about somebody who's so not relevant ever. The Braves have won 12 straight but just lost their All-Star second baseman. What will that mean for them going
0: forward? uninterrupted listening so no more cliffhangers amazon music offers the most ad-free top podcasts so we know they definitely have something for you and it's already included in your prime membership to start listening download the amazon music app for free or go to amazon.com slash pti that's amazon.com slash pti to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads now let's talk about the play of the week the pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavy on the team
2: Pardon the interruption is presented by Corona Extra. Find the fine life, live la vida maspina. part of happy hour. Happy time people. Happy 53rd birthday Steffi Graf. Before Serena Williams could try and catch Margaret Court for the most majors ever, she had to pass Steffi Graf. Graf has 22 majors. She didn't win two here and 13 there. She won them all and she won them in bunches. Graf won four Australian Opens, five US Opens, six French Opens, and seven Wimbledons. Plus, Groff won the gold medal at the 1988 Olympics in Seoul. Her natural rival should have been Monica Sellis, but Sellis's career was never the same after she was stabbed by a deranged Groff fan. Groff left tennis, she married Andre Agassi, they have two
1: children, they run a charter school in Las Vegas. Tony, at those 88 Olympics in Seoul, the great David Dupree and I we're playing tennis on an off day on some courts. And Steffi Graf was just sitting there watching us. And Dupree all of a really? sudden walked, told me to come to the net. And he said, hey, I think we're on the players' practice courts. We walk over to Steffi and we say, we're sorry. Why didn't you throw us off? Look at us. And she goes, you look pretty good to me. <laughs> Dupree and I are dining out on that what a, for 30 years. What a great, great, great moment. Is Isn't it? It's a great it? moment. Loved it.
2: Yes. Yeah. Happy anniversary, Mark Messier. On this day 28 years ago, the captain of the New York Rangers scored the game-winning goal against Vancouver, ending a 54-year Stanley Cup drought for the Broadway Blues. Earlier in the playoffs, Messier guaranteed the Rangers would beat the New Jersey Devils in a do or die game six of the Eastern Conference Finals. And to make sure it happened, Messier had a hat trick in that game. Messier has six Stanley Cups. Nobody in recent memory has more. And on a personal note, Messier was a guest on this program one week ago. Both our producer Matt Keller and I admit to being starstruck by him. How about you, Wilbon?
1: Yes, I was, I am, and I was at that game, unlike you, Mr. New York. I was in the garden watching Messier do that and deliver that cup to New York. And look, for some reason, I'm not as starstruck about Gretzky. Even though I know Wayne Gretzky, I've, I've been around him, i played golf with him. Messier, part of his physical stature, He looks like he can go out right now and take two shifts in the final. Right now.
3: Yeah.
2: Happy trails, Ozzie Albies. The Braves' all-star second baseman out indefinitely after fracturing his foot last night in Atlanta's win over Washington, the Braves' 12th straight victory. Albies apparently broke his foot swinging at a pitch. As the ball left the bat, Albies hobbled one step then fell to the ground in pain. Albies has been nothing but durable. Since 2018, his 565 games played are second most among full-time second basemen.
1: They got through it last year, Tony, and won a championship without Ronald Acuna Jr. Hope Albies That's is right. back sooner than that, but I know a little bit about broken feet and hobbling right now. I'll tell you that. Let's go to the big finish. Ronald McIlroy says he's disappointed in Phil Mickelson, but has the utmost respect for him as a golfer. Your thoughts? Everybody's going to pile on Phil now, and you could say he deserves it, but I'm... Going to get tired of that soon. I still like Bill Mickelson, despite some stuff. The Athletic reports the Panthers are interested in Baker Mayfield if the Browns pay a big chunk of his salary. Does that make sense, Tom? Here's their quarterback situation now, Sam Darnold.
2: Baker Mayfield, I know yeah. you hate him. He's better than Sam Man, Darnold. No, I don't. Jack Flaherty will, will get his
1: first start of the season for the Cardinals tomorrow night. Is that significant? He was great. 9-2 last season. Tom, me he's missed the first two months with right shoulder bursitis. Yes, it's a big deal. Apple TV will be the exclusive home of the MLS in 2023. Is that a sign of things to come? I didn't watch the MLS on regular TV. Now I won't watch it on Apple
2: TV. Last one, Dodgers starter Tony Gonsolin tries to start the season 8-0 tonight. Do you like his chances? Yeah, facing the Angels, I like his chances, yes.
1: We're out of time. We'll try and do better the next time, and I'm Tony Kornheiser. I'm Mike Wilbon. Same time tomorrow, Knuckleheads. You can get the PTI podcast on the ESPN app or Apple Podcasts. And now, here's SportsCenter. So I'm waving
2: these flags, and Tracy put the flags behind me, and I'm wearing red, white, and blue because it's Flag Day. June June 14th 14th. is Flag Day, Mike. That's right.